What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 67 of the Daughter and Pops podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me, Daniel Hudson. He played at the, he golfed at the University of Kansas, and he's going to be with me along with this podcast today. Daniel, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, Tati. My name's Daniel. Uh, I'm originally from Chicago. I live down in Scottsdale, Arizona most of the year now. I have status on the PGA Tour Latin American Tour right now. Um, and yeah, just enjoying life as a, uh, as a golfer for sure. That's awesome. So I'll start getting into the questions cause I have some good one for you and I'm, I'm really excited to hear your answers too. Cause I haven't asked you these questions yet either. So my first question is how long have you been on your journey of golfing? Um, I would say ever since graduating college, cause I think it's a, it's a different and a big step to go from college to then keep playing golf as your job. Uh, Obviously college is super competitive and fun, but you're still under the watchful eye of like coaches and a lot of the decisions that are made um, are made for you. Uh, You know, where to go, how to travel, where we're going to go, you know, just all that kind of stuff. And um, so I would say I graduated college in 2018. So like May, basically June of 2018 is when I said, like, this is what I want to do. Um, and it's been great since. That's awesome. Um, okay, my next question I have is, uh, when things get tough for you and golf isn't going the way that you like it on the golf course, how do you push through that and end up playing better? Yeah, uh, well, like, I'm sure you know, um, any sport is not as fulfilling as you'd like it to be and as often as you'd like it to be. But I, I found myself, um, especially in the last like three ish months, um, just kind of being able to like really believe in myself and where I want to go. And I think that helps a ton. I think the people that struggle through the frustrating times, um, don't really believe that they're going to get to where they want to get to. And so they're, when they're going through those frustrating times, I think their mind starts to race of like, you know, is it over? Is this really for me? And I think if you just have such a strong vision and belief of where you want to get to and have, you know, seen yourself achieving your dreams so many times mentally, whether it's like before you go to bed or just like, I don't know, walking down the street, you almost look at the frustrating times as like, oh, this is just another step to get me there. And it's like, what is this going to teach me or what am I going to learn from that? And so like, you know, going to miss a Monday qualifier by one shot is frustrating, but it's like, uh, you know, there's going to be more golf and I'm almost like intrigued and in a way excited to see like how I'm going to learn from that, like what's going to come of it because it seems like something always does. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. For me, something I do is I visualize like every night, like just yep. for just visualizing, basically playing in games, training. Um, for me right now, like my biggest thing is my shot. I'm like fixing my shot a little bit. So like I visualize my shot every night. So yeah. what you're yeah. saying, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Um, okay, my next question. What was your mindset and goal when you were golfing at the University of Kansas? Uh honest with you like I don't know if I had a strong enough one I think as a high schooler 
the idea of like going to a division one school on a golf scholarship is like the holy grail and then when you achieve that and get there it's like you set new ones but it's almost hard you know at school i think because in college golf it's it's a lot about the team right and golf at its core is an individual sport and so um I'm someone that's like very entrepreneurial in the sense that I like doing things on my own. I like, um, having control of what happens. Um, and so like thinking back to my goals, I mean, it's like, you say you want to win a national championship. You say you want to win the big 12. Um, you know, we played some like great tournaments. We had a lot of good wins and we had a lot of successful seasons, but I, I think thinking back, one of the reasons that it probably wasn't what I saw it as is because I never actually saw what I wanted it to be. You know, it's like you just get in this vacuum of like you get up, you work out, you're hanging out with your teammates, you're doing school, and you like get lost in what it actually is you're trying to do. And I think for me, I didn't really know especially my senior year like if I wanted to play after school and so I think you spent at least I did more most of my time like trying to see myself doing other things and to see if that was a way to like pull me back to know I really want to play yeah so if I had to do it all again and to answer your question like I would just have like a clear vision and goal yeah that that's where college basketball and college golf is way different from each other. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for sure. 100%. And um, what you were saying about it being like an individual sport that leads right into my next question. Obviously, golf is an individual sport, and basketball is a team sport. Like, do you think yeah. that there's pressure playing an individual sport more than playing a team sport? I don't think so. Um, I I enjoy it because everything good and bad that happens you know to an extent obviously you have your coaching and and people that you know help and support you to to get to where you need to get to but for the most part like you're the one out there performing Mm -hmm. I just like that because um I I don't know I, I remember like when I grew up playing basketball I was always like a passer and it was like you know he's a really good passer but it's like are you a good passer because you want to be a good passer or because you, like, don't want the pressure of, not even the pressure, but, like, the fact that, like, you shoot and, you know, you miss and you feel like you let your team down. Right. And I feel like if there's no one else there that's kind of relying on my performance, it's just comforting to know that, like, it's just me out there and whatever happens is on me. Yeah, I get that. I feel that way sometimes when I play in games. And yeah. when my team's not performing, it, like, makes you go down as well. So right. that but can like, be tough at times, too. I think, like, this is a question for you is, like, when I was growing up, and maybe it's just the people that you end up playing with when you're young, but it's, like, to me, a coach should just drill it into the players' heads that, like, guys like the goal of basketball is to score like you should never be afraid to shoot and I feel like like growing up for me like a lot of the teams it was just like we'd come into a timeout if let's say I had taken three shots in a row and missed them 
like someone on the team would be like, you know, why are you shooting? And probably in like more expletive terms than that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think the coach should step in right there and be like, look, we need someone to shoot because we need a score. Right. You're not going to make every basket. Like you shouldn't feel like every basket has to go in because if it doesn't, then everyone on the team is going to be like, well, I'm not even going to pass on the ball anymore or the ball anymore. Yeah. You know? And it's just like, I don't know. You go to these NBA games. It's like, get to the point where like you make them enough to where they start passing you the ball. Like, and they're <laughs> yeah. like, no, like when you miss 10 in a row, like, no, shoot it because you're the mm-hmm. best player. Like you're the best shooter. Right. And that's exactly where you have to have like a good team around you too, like a supportive yeah. team. And I think that for me, that really helps as well. Obviously I play point guard, so I do like a little bit of everything for the team yeah. in general. But like, I feel like for me, like, we want everybody to keep shooting, even if they do miss, because, I mean, there's good shooters on the team in general. And yeah. so I think that, yeah, the coach also plays a big role in that. And with my dad, uh, with him coaching, you know, he just wants everybody to shoot the ball. He just says, exactly. I mean, just shoot it because, I mean, there's not another chance that in which – if you don't shoot it, there's no chance of it going in. So exactly. might as well shoot it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, all right, so – when you were attending Kansas University, did you attend any of the basketball games there? Because I know the atmosphere yeah. is crazy. Yeah, like, what was that is. like? It was insane. I mean, um, like, growing up in Chicago, you're not really exposed at all to college sports just because, like, you know, Northwestern is kind of here and Evanston and, like, DePaul is here, but you don't like grow up being a DePaul or Northwestern like sports fan unless your family went there. And so you're just like, you know, Chicago Bulls, Chicago Bears, Bulls or Sox, whatever. But mm-hmm. then when you go to a place like Lawrence, that's like has the history um, in basketball in specific that they do. And then like how a single town, because Lawrence is, you know, it's considered a suburb of Kansas City, but it's like 40 miles away. So it's pretty separate. Like it's out uh-huh. of town. Yeah. And the town just, like, bleeds, like, Jayhawk basketball. <laughs> and it's just, like, I had never seen, like, 50-year-old dads just, like, so passionate about, like, 18- to 21-year-old kids playing basketball. Mm-hmm. And then it's cool because, like, so the way that they do their ticketing, I don't know if they still do this, but I assume they do something similar is, so, like, as a student-athlete, we got tickets um and there was like this separate entrance that we went to or whatever yeah but for like the students so let's say they have a game on you know wednesday night right Mm -hmm. and then they don't play and then let's say their next game's like saturday at home so at 8 a.m starting thursday morning the students will go to allen Fieldhouse, like in the concourses Uh and they'll get a number and they're expected to essentially hold their place in line till Saturday's game. <laughs> that would and be so crazy. They like literally like I remember like my freshman year, my girlfriend and her a couple of her sorority friends did it. And like I walked in there at 9 a.m. to like bring them some breakfast. Mm-hmm. And there's people just like in sleeping bags, like camped out. Oh, my gosh. That's and insane. I'm just, like, oh my good like for a basketball like you could go watch this at you know the bar on a tv like what what is so important and then you go to a game it's like oh my gosh 
That's insane. That's the yeah. craziest thing I've heard. <laughs> That's a really sick yeah. college basketball. Yeah, it's just it's 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 incredible, and it's like most of these kids. I mean, I would say a lot of them come from Kansas City or like the state of Kansas, but there's mm-hmm. a handful like me that that like don't have any knowledge or didn't grow up with KU basketball and you'll yeah. see that for the first time it's like oh my gosh yeah so with like when you would see like those lines and stuff in like the atmosphere did you ever think about like switching sports and playing basketball instead to be around that type of atmosphere I mean yeah it's always fun like did I ever like dream of switching no did I think it was like insanely cool to think about being able to like run out into the tunnel and like play in a full stadium absolutely yeah like absolutely and i think that's why the 16th hole at the waste or the you know the wm i guess they're calling it now in scottsdale i i think that's why like so many golfers like it because like as an athlete like when you're a kid like you dream about playing in a stadium Mm mm-hmm like, you don't dream about, like, playing, you know, when you're five um, on, like, a golf hole, you know, the third round when you're 20 shots back and no one's there. <laughs> like, you don't you don't dream of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was, like, any chance I got, if I was, like, walking through Allen Fieldhouse, like, going to class or something, like, I'd go, like, down to the court when it was, mm-hmm. like, black. And I'd, like, sit on the free throw line and you just, like, close your eyes. It's like what is this for? And you just like visualize everyone being around there. And it's like, yeah, yeah. I wish I could do that. It sounds like it'd be March Madness just all year long <laughs> in that stadium. It's, I mean, it is, it's insane. It's yeah, it's incredible. I mean, they do not, I mean, starting from the exhibition games in late fall when they're playing like, you know, local junior colleges or like division three schools, there is not an open seat in there. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's definitely would be my dream playing in a full stadium. That'd yeah. be pretty awesome. Well, it'll happen probably yeah. sooner than you think. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, one of my next questions for you is: If you weren't playing sports, what would you be doing? Um, so it's funny. I like, and this is maybe going to sound cliche, but like it's a hundred percent true. Okay. Uh, like ever since first grade when your teacher hands out the like you know my dream job is Mm -hmm. like I always said professional athlete and it was funny when I was like in seventh sixth or seventh grade um I was like really really into basketball and my dad and I would go shoot at my middle school gym every single night for like an hour or two. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go to this prep school in the city where like Jaleel Okafor, like Michael Jordan's kid went like, and I'm going to like play division one basketball. And, you know, I just think like my interest changed. Like, obviously I'm not very tall and I didn't like have the jumping ability or like the dribbling to like really get anywhere with it. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of squashed. And then when I picked up golf, for some reason, I just, my love of like cooking, it's just like always been there. And so to answer your question, like, no, I've never seen myself doing anything other than playing golf. But I, I know 
I've actually been creating a menu for my first restaurant for like 15 years. Wow. Like every single time I go out, like I love going out to eat and like, I love just like trying new things, like Mm -hmm. seeing new ways of doing like, you know, if I watch TV, I'm going to watch the food network. Dang. (laughs) And like, I don't know. I just love like good food. And, uh, yeah. So, um, the answer to your question is I wouldn't be doing anything else, but in addition to golf, I will have a restaurant at some point. That's awesome. That's yeah. really cool. What's one of your favorite things to cook? Um, I don't know. I mean, I like a lot of things. To be honest, one of the favorite things I do is like, so when I'm in Chicago, um, when I was living with my dad, like he can't cook, so there's nothing ever in the fridge. And then... <laughs> When um, I, I live with my older brother last year, and I'm going to live with one of my, you know, Drew Shepard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I are going to live together, and uh, it just never seems like there's much food in the fridge. Um, but when I'm down in Arizona at my mom's house, like, obviously just a mom, like, they're going to go to the grocery store that's just like, you know, they're going to have food. And so yeah. there'll be nights where, like, I don't have any idea what I'm going to cook, but I just, like, open up the fridge and I just, like, try to make something with what's in there. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I, like, um, sometimes, like, once a week, Liv and I, we try to cook, like, a, a family dinner. Because oh, nice. Liv likes to cook. And, I mean, I'm not very good at it, but I'll still try to do it. Um, yeah. But usually uh, we do something, just whatever's in the fridge. <laughs> Same as what you do. Just yeah. whatever we find, come up with something unique. Sometimes we'll search up on the internet, like, what we could cook with those things. And, I don't know. So, it's just fun. Hey, last, what was the last meal you made? Um, the last meal we made, we actually cooked... What did we cook? Um, we cooked chicken. Um, I think it was barbecue chicken with... Uh, I made homemade sweet potato fries and vegetables as well. Broccoli. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah um yeah i'm good at the vegetables part lives good at everything else so i oh. let her do that other stuff <laughs> yeah that's a good duo then yeah exactly and my parents like extend they don't have to cook or buy anything that night so yeah no, exactly. perfect yeah. um <laughs> one of my next questions uh if you were to choose one golf course to golf at anywhere in the world where would you go like it could be anywhere yeah i know and you may not like this answer but I just don't, like, have one. Okay. Like, I just remember, and this is a little bit off topic, but <laughs> so I went to China um, in, like, 2019, I think. Mm-hmm. And we were, like, it was in the practice round, and we were in a city called Guangzhou, which is, like, one of the five biggest cities in China, but, like, usually people haven't heard of that one. Uh-huh. Um, and we were, like, I mean, the, the city itself is, like, very westernized. Like, people speak English, or, and you can go get, like, food that you're, you know, accustomed to getting, or, you know, Italian or whatever. But we were, like, an hour away from the city. And there was, like, no western influencer at all. Like, none. And if you don't know Mandarin or Cantonese, the two languages they speak, they're, like, it's not like Spanish where if you took it, you can kind of get, like, around it. Like, you have no chance. <laughs> And so I like found myself, I think it was like the 15th or 16th hole of this practice round. We we're just like waiting in the fairway. And I was like looking around and I'm like, 
this is wild. Like, I'm in China right now, but it, like, doesn't feel like it. Like, when you get over a shot, you're just trying to hit the ball, like, where you want it to go. Yeah. And I think, like, that was one of my biggest failures my first couple years is, like, I attached my excitement to playing, like, based on where I was going. Mm. And, you know, it's like, okay, you go play, like, Tory Pines. It's like, you're, like, so excited to play. Yeah. And then, you know, let's say you're going to play, like, the Waterloo Open in Waterloo, Iowa. And it's like, I think if you ask anyone which one sounds better, like, they're going to pick Tory Pines. Right. You know, San Diego, on the ocean, like, it's just beautiful. And Mm -hmm. then... Waterloo, Iowa, it's like probably, you know, a majority of people haven't even heard of that town, let alone like know that they have a golf course there. But like when I get out on the course, like it's just fun to play. Like it's fun to hit shots. You know, you're trying to score the best you can every round. And I just have like learned to love um, just like playing wherever I'm playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and, definitely makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't have one. I mean, if I was, if I was, if you said, Daniel, like, gun to your head, what's your favorite course? <laughs> it's my home course. It's Chicago Highlands in Westchester, Illinois. I grew up there. I know everyone there. There's, like, a comfort factor. Mm-hmm. The cool thing about it is you can stand up on the ninth green. It's an old landfill, 275 acres, like, raised. Yeah. And so you can stand up on the ninth green, which is the highest point of the course, and it looks 360 degrees around, like you can see for 20 miles. Wow. And so you can stand up there and you can see the city skyline, you know, the Chicago skyline. It's just like very unique. Um, so I'd probably say that. Yeah, definitely. I think um, for me, when you say like how the ninth green, how it like rises above, back yeah. where I used to live in um, – Morro Bay, California, they had a golf course there, and yeah. uh, there's the 13th hole, where it's the highest point of the, it's the highest point of the golf course, but it's like the tee box is up, and then the dry, yeah. the fairway and green is all the way down, but yeah. on this side, there's the ocean, it's like wow. a few, uh, not even a mile to the right, and then right. on this side, it's just like trees, because there's like a mini forest over there, right. and um that just reminds me of that because it was it was always so high and then down. So like when my dad would golf there, I'd always go with him because I I just like being on golf courses. I'm not good yeah. at golfing. I just like being there. Yeah, um, yeah. But I would always like to like go down the cart path or like just run down or even just being able to like walk to the beach like right there was really cool. Yeah, that is awesome. Really awesome. <laughs> um, okay, what role does your family play in your journey? Because I know you're with them a lot, and when you're in Arizona, you're with your mom as well. What is that like? Yeah, yeah. so I have two brothers, Ryan and John. One of them's, they're basically, we're all one year apart. So uh, John's the youngest, I'm the middle, Ryan's the oldest. We all grew up playing. My dad actually played, he grew up in a small town in Iowa and played. Him and a buddy from high school decided that they were going to drive down to uh, Tempe, Arizona, and walk on the ASU golf team. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know when he went there. I mean, he's older now. He's 60. But whenever that was, this was when, like, ASU had, like, two teams. And there were, like, 30 guys on the team. And, like, (laughs) they qualified or whatever. And, like, the top 10 were the ones that, like, went to, like, the team-oriented practices and, like, played. Mm -hmm. And the other 20 were, like, on the team. But, like, 
you know, the way he describes it, like, the coach really didn't even know who they were, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, they were, like, kind of on the team, kind of not, and he ended up leaving after a semester, but he was the one that, like, got me into the game. I feel like, like, everyone kind of has that story, like, my dad gave me clubs kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so, I grew up playing with my two brothers and my dad a bunch. My younger brother actually played freshman year, his freshman year at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he left just to go to school at Illinois. Um, and, and my younger brother and older brother still play like a ton of golf and they're really good. Um, and so to answer your question, like being golfers, those three, like they avidly follow and like love the sport. And the fact that like a family member is kind of doing it is super exciting you know if they're sitting at work on a tuesday and like i'm playing like it's just fun for them to be able to open up the pga app and like follow scoring yeah definitely so i would say that and you know my mom like loves just like hearing about rounds and like i remember when i called her after i won she was like at a pickleball tournament and just started like screaming (laughs) um which I'm glad I wasn't there when she was doing that. Yeah. But, uh, no, it's great. I mean, they, they just all like love the idea that I'm doing something that I love to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I just think it helps that like they all have liked and played the sport. And so like they understand it, they like to follow it. Um, so it's great. Yeah, that makes sense. Are you the best golfer in the family? I mean, I should be, right? <laughs> yeah, you should be. <laughs> like, hopefully. <laughs> I would hope so, too. Yeah. Um, uh, I was going to say something. Um, it sounds like my mom, because, uh, like, she understands it. Um, she just likes hearing about it or watching it. And sometimes yeah. she'll just, like, yell out stuff in the games. She doesn't even know. But she'll just be like, just right. shoot the ball. I'm like, okay. Right. Even when I'm not open, she'll be like, shoot the ball. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Um, no, I, but... Yeah, <laughs> um, but it's just awesome having, like, the whole family involved and understand, like, the whole journey and, like, what we're trying to do, too, and just how my mom, like, how she, she grew up, she never played basketball, so, like, she did, she didn't even know anything about it, but, like, she's, she's, like, learned over time to, like, understand it now that, basically, Liv and I are both playing, and now Lily's gonna be playing, too, so. Yeah, that's awesome, and I think, uh, and you'll probably like learn this when you get older. I was actually thinking about this when I was on the plane the other day, but um, I was driving home. So I, uh, I had texted my dad like a month ago when I knew that I was coming to Chicago. And I said, uh, can you look and see if, so I went to a school called Lyons Township in the suburbs of Chicago. And I was like, Hey, can you see if they're playing that weekend? I'd love to go to a game. Mm -hmm. And, Long story short, like he picked me up from the airport and we went to watch a uh, like a state. It was like the second round game, um, and the number one team in the state uh, was playing like a, a team that was also in their conference, but like considerably worse. I mean, uh-huh. this team's called Glenbard West, and they're like I, I think their starting five is all over six six, and they have a kid that's six eleven that's going to Gonzaga. Wow. And so they're, like, really good. Yeah. And, like, driving home that night, I was, like, thinking back to when I was 10. Like, I never missed a game. Like, we were always there. Like, 
my parents like always got me to the game. Like it was never like, oh no, you you can't play today. Like dad and I are busy. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, there is so much more to like youth sports and sports in general than to, you know, making five free throws out of five free throws in the game or like hitting a wide open three. It's like the comfort of knowing that you're like never, ever going to miss a game. And I'm sure you're, you know, they're the same way. Like you guys aren't going to miss a game. Like, yeah. like no, like the, your life is like built around like when are your and lives games. Yes. And it, that is unbelievable to think about. Yeah, it really is. It's insane because we, we have, we've never missed games unless like for some reason we were injured or something like, and if we're there, we're playing like there's no, we're not going to go and sit on the side. Like we'll support, but like we're going to (laughs) play. Right. No. Yeah. So it's, uh, no, it's amazing. Like it's just, uh, it's amazing. And like to think how much work it is for one, let alone like going to be three here pretty soon. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just incredible. Yeah. I don't know how my parents do it, especially at home too. Like when we're all at home, Right. It's insane. And my mom, like, works a full-time job, too, so I right. don't know how she does it. I mean, right. our basketball is her other job, as she always yep. says. <laughs> yep. No, I, it, it totally is. Yeah. It's Gonzaga always gets the – they always recruit the tallest people. I, I'm i just thinking of that because we were watching Gonzaga play against St. Mary's last night. Um, yeah. And they, like, obviously, like, Chet Holmgren, I mean, they they always recruit the tallest players. Yeah, the uh, what's that guy's name? Like Drew Timmy too. Yeah, Drew Timmy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're really good. I couldn't believe they lost last night too to St. Mary's. It Did was, they really? Yeah, it was their third loss. Oh my gosh! I, I know. They, I think it was by like nine or nine or eleven, nine to eleven. They lost by. It was. Wow. I know St. Mary's was ahead like the entire game too. We were pretty surprised. Where was in California at St. Mary's? Yeah, it was at St. Mary's. Wow, the whole, been, the entire stadium ran onto the floor after the win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was really cool. Um, okay, I have two more questions for you. So, right, uh, my second to last one. So, in the golf world, and in your opinion, how important is preparation? I know I've talked to you about this, like, when I've uh, seen you previously, but I just want, like, the listeners to hear, because in my opinion, you always give, like, the best, the best speech about this. <laughs> yeah, um... I mean, like, I think golf, so I've really tried to adopt to the mindset of, like, when I'm playing, I don't need to make any decisions. And you're like, well, Daniel, like, what does that mean? Like, you're going to have a 150-yard shot, like, with some wind. Like, you're going to need to decide what club to hit. It's like, yeah. But prepare to have to make the fewest decisions possible. So, for example, like, if I'm teeing off at 7.30 a.m., and let's say I'm getting up, I kind of have this rule, like, maybe 7.30 is a little early, but, like, I try to get, I try to wake up three hours before every tee time, if it's a morning tee time. So, mm-hmm. like, 7.30 tee time, you know, let's say I wake up at 4.35 o'clock. Like, if it's dark out, like, you're tired, you don't really want to be up, like, having very few decisions to make is nice right so it's like the night before i'm gonna pick what i'm gonna wear tomorrow i'm gonna like i love going to panera for breakfast especially if i'm like in the united states so i'm gonna like make sure i know what panera i'm gonna go to like i'm gonna make sure that i know what time i want to be to the course 
and therefore like what time I need to leave my hotel and then like how much time I'm going to build in like eating breakfast. So it's like all these decisions you can just like then enjoy and let your mind think about like how you want to play the round or things like that. Um, and then it's just like, look at the weather forecast. Like, is there going to be wind? Is there going to be rain? Um, is the wind going to change? How hot is it going to be? Uh, like I've tried to make it a habit to like get a pin sheet, which is essentially like the sheet that tells you where each flag is going to be located on each green that day Uh to like, when I go in the locker room, like visualize where those pins are and go through my round before it actually happens. Yeah. You know, so if there's like, you know, let's say there's like a hole with water down the left side and there's a big bunker left as well. And I see the pin is like on the left side. Mm -hmm. It's like, instead of getting up to that hole and being like surprised that it's like over there or like kind of a sucker pin as someone say, like baiting you to go into it. Yeah. Like I know it's there. Like I already know that, no, like I'm going to hit it to 30 feet right of the pin. Like if I make the pot or maybe pull it, like I could get birdie or, you know, whatever. But like making these decisions before, because sports can become so emotional, right? Yeah. Like in basketball, if you're down 10 points, like it's easier to run down and jack up a three than it is when you're like winning by 10, like, you're just more prone to like committing to running your offense and getting a good shot. Exactly. And it's in golf. It's like, if you were to make two bogeys, if I were to make two bogeys in a row, like, yeah, there's times when like, you're emotionally going to be like, all right, I I need to get that back the next two. But it's like, well, what if the next hole is the hole with the pin left near the water? Right. Like you don't want, you just, you have to know that like where to pick your spots, like plan accordingly. Like, and I just think that helps so, so much. Mm-hmm. And that explains why you're always so like consistent in your golf game too, because yeah. I mean, you never have like more than two bogeys in a row either. And like when you do, you always end up like making it up or like, it just, you don't, it doesn't seem like, especially when I've like watched you golf too. Like it doesn't, even if you like make two bogeys in a row, the next hole, it doesn't look like you just made two bogeys in a row too. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, my last question to you is, when are you going to shoot another 62? <laughs> um, Hopefully your next uh, tournament. Yeah, next tournament. Next I round. was thinking maybe following a 60 or 61. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> um, I actually shot, it was funny, I, I just can't believe, and this is like the power of positive thinking and like visualizing and just over and over again, just like writing and talking it through, you know, talking it into existence is like when I first met you guys, it had to be within the first maybe like tournament or two. And your dad's like, you know, like, when are you going to shoot a 62 or whatever? And I was like, ah, that's and I shot 62 twice last summer alone. <laughs> And I'd like to say I did it more, but, you know, it's just, it's a low enough number, unfortunately, where it doesn't happen a ton. Yeah. So to have shot it twice after, like, really have never had shot that before, you know, after just, like, I don't know, what do you think? It was, like, basically through COVID. So, like, yeah, 12, basically. right, of just, like, 62, 62, 62. Yeah. And then I remember I texted you guys or... You're like so close, and I was like, "Yeah, I was thinking about it in the fairway. If I make eagle here, <laughs> I think I'm, you know, I'll do yeah. it." Yeah. 
and uh, it's just amazing, um, you know, like what what that does. And so, to answer your question, like I hope soon. I hope it's lower. I hope there's a lot more of them. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. I guess that just shows, like, you know, why not just start writing in my journal? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like write the scorecard out, sign the scorecard, like Daniel Hudson, sixty-one course record. You know, and <laughs> yeah. It's happen. Like it probably will. Yeah, I remember being at the, um, I believe it was the, I don't remember if it was the first or second time when we were watching your tournament, and it was because you were through nine holes, and my dad, I don't remember exactly what you had shot in the first round, but I don't remember what course it was at, I don't know why I can't remember, but my dad was like, we need to go, like, he's gonna shoot a 62, and so we went, and we walked, uh, the last, like, three or four holes to, like, watch you, because my dad's, like, he's gonna shoot a 62, watch, and just the entire time, he just kept saying that, I think you ended up shooting, like, a 63, too, and okay. so, it was really close, I don't, I'm gonna remember where that's at, I'll end up texting you, but, I, yeah. uh, yeah, just when we found out, one of the times, uh, when you had shot a 62, my dad was so excited for you, like, that's the only thing he talked about for the rest of the day, um, <laughs> I don't know why, but, like, he just, I think it was, like, he said that you had, like, just this confidence, like, when you were walking or something, like, he just ended up bringing up, like, the 62 or something like that. Because it was just a, like, random time, first tournament, too, I believe, just yeah, said it to you. Yeah, so. no, it was. Yeah, it was a crazy thing, which is, like, why I think we've connected so well is, like, it's just amazing to me that I think it was at, uh, it was at Legacy, right, when we had first met. And I think you guys were just, like, on the range. Um, and we had just, like, talked a little bit in passing as I was going to the first tee. And, like, I don't think there's anyone else that, like, supports a guy playing in the mini tours more than, like, you guys support me. <laughs> it's, like, unbelievable. I mean, it's just so cool. Like, yeah. And I think we've kind of bonded over golf. I think more so basketball, like, I've enjoyed the handful of times that we've, like, you know, shot around, like, played those two-on-two games at, you know, the Optima Gym, um, like, so, so much. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, I've, I'm just, I, like, love following you guys and, like, what you're doing. And it's, like, there's been a handful of times, whether you believe this or not, where, like, you know, I'm sitting down in, you know, I don't know, Columbia, and I'm just like, God, like, it's just, this sucks. Like, you know, my game doesn't feel great. I'm not playing well. Like, I'm so far from home. Like, I can't even just walk out and go get, like, dinner. Like, it's all just a yeah. hassle. Like, you know, I'll see something like 6 a.m. or, like, 9 p.m. You guys are, like, walking into the gym, and it's like, <laughs> that's your competition. Like, you can't just, like, just – you know, throw in the towel, like, they aren't, you know, like, and yeah. they're real, you know, it's like, they're not, it's not even their job yet, like, what, <laughs> just like, get out there, like, go putt, go play, like, make it work, like, make it happen, mm-hmm. yeah, and, um, I think, like, a lot of that, I've, like, I've, like, learned that from you guys, like, the work ethic, the dedication is so admirable, thank you, we love following your scorecards even more, so, Especially when you're playing in tournaments. Because um, <laughs> my dad, before each and every tournament, he he follows, like, everything golf. Like, if you're playing in it or if you're not, he'll be on, like, the, um, what's it called? Like, the Blue Golf web- website, I think is what it's called. Yeah. yeah. So he'll watch, like, every, he'll follow every single tournament on there. 
before every tournament, he'll show me, like, the field, like, on yeah. the phone, and he'll be like, oh, Hudson's in there, we gotta follow him throughout the, throughout the way, <laughs> we always call you Hudson, not Daniel, <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's just really fun being able to follow you throughout your journey, all the times that you're traveling, you know, and you're brought up in some of our conversations as well, like, when we're not doing what we're supposed to do, like, um, just being able to, like, push through it and get it to where, like, we think of our goal, and my dad, he always just brings you up saying how, like, we're kind of, like, on the same path, but we're not, because you're still trying to get to, like, your goal, and we're trying to get to our goal as well, um, if that makes sense, that was, uh, (laughs) Yeah, but he well, always, he always ends up saying that to us as well. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it's. I mean, it's a. No, I mean, he's exactly right. Because like, if you saw my journal, like where I am right now is like not where I see myself being. On the flip side of that, though, um, I think it's super important to like convince yourself and believe that you are who you want to be. Right. So it's like NBA, you know, all-star Tati Harness. Like, yeah, we can both agree that, like, you're not there. Like, you're, you know, you're not even in college yet. But it's like, (laughs) why not believe, like, mentally that you are that person? And, like, time is the only thing separating between you and that, right? Nothing else. Like, not ability, not mindset, like, nothing. It's just the sheer thought of, like, time, like, more just a little bit more time needs to pass for those things to happen but it's like nothing really needs to change right yeah right and it's like why not like wake up and like no like i'm i'm the all-star like i'm i'm the national college player of the year like well no you're not you're not even college no (laughs) but i i I see myself as that like i am that person when i'm ordering my starbucks like this person like what like they should know that like I'm that like I am that mm-hmm. I'm not trying to become that I don't want to be that I'm not, I'm not I don't hope to be that like I am that person like if you want me to sign you know I know you put my name on my Starbucks cup but like I can also sign it back with mine because you'll probably want that like, <laughs> yeah <you> know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I I totally get that though because um that's what something with um my dad's always saying that to both of us, but he says it to live a lot more too because like she uh her social her social media following is like huge and he's like everybody should know who you are. Like and if they right. don't like then why don't they know who you are? And right. it's like it's the same with me as well, so I can completely relate to that. <laughs> Um, so to wrap up this podcast, uh I don't have much more to say. I know we had a great conversation and uh, the questions were very well answered. Do you have anything else to say to the listeners before we go ahead and end this? No, I mean, other than I just, I get frustrated, like looking and hearing about people in any industry nowadays that just like is not happy and doesn't love what they do. And I think that's such a byproduct of society like telling us that like if we're not quote unquote famous or like make a lot of money or like able to go to South Beach Miami on vacation like we're not successful and that's just not true like success to me at like the core level right we're all put on this order to live which is like an unbelievable gift when you think about it I mean we literally can do anything we want to do like yeah 
like if you want to go eat at wherever like you can't if you want to go play basketball you can't like if you want to go play golf you can't and it just frustrates me when you hear people that are like so unhappy with their lives it's like just go do something you love like Mm -hmm. if you love teaching kids and like you know a teacher is paid whatever significantly less than like a professional athlete like you will be happier doing that than you would be, you know, being in some BS job that you maybe make 10 more, you know, 10 times more money doing. Like, it just, it doesn't matter. And it's like, you you see, you know, you hear the, the example, I'm sure you've heard of, like, you know, the biggest impact on some people is like a, is a high school janitor. And it's like, why? It's like, well, because they're happy with what they're doing. Like, they take pride mm-hmm. in, like, making this school look good. And they take pride in telling this 15-year-old kid that thinks his life is going to be over if he's not driving a Rolls Royce (laughs) that, no, like, it's okay if you don't have a Rolls Royce. Like, a Toyota and a Rolls Royce both have four wheels, and they're both going to get you to where you need to go, you know. So, to answer your question, like, just literally just do what you love. Like, if that's art, if that's cooking, and just throw out this idea that like society is going to judge you based on like surface and superficial level things because Mm -hmm. they probably will. But I think it's important to realize like the people judging you from that are people that really you shouldn't care about. Yeah. (laughs) We get that a lot. Yeah. So that would be it. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I know for me, I love what I do, so I don't, There's nothing for me to worry about there, but um, obviously I still have a long ways to go, but I'm loving what I'm doing so far, so that's a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, love to hear it. Well, I really appreciate you being on this podcast. Uh, I hope everybody that's listening enjoyed it as well. Uh, There's a lot to learn. At least I learned multiple things as well myself. Um, And so uh, I really hope everybody enjoyed this and share this podcast with your friends too because this one was a really good one. Um, all right. Well, I appreciate everybody listening in and I will see you guys all next time. And that wraps up episode 67 of the Daughter and Pops podcast.